This CosmicReality.com presentation is sponsored by MysticalWares.com. Is there something wrong? Warning! Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. Produced by CosmicReality.com Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw. I'm known as the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the successalchemist.net, thewebalchemist.net and poweredmanifestation.com on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw the Success Alchemist, on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw, Truth Social, Success Alchemist, and Telegram, US UK Patriot. Today is the 27th of August 2022, and the title of today's show is Raid Affidavit Released, Trump Blamed for Vaccine Failures, Systemic Fall of the Old Guard. So in today's show, I'm really going to focus quite a bit of the time on the Mar-a-Lago raid and the latest developments, and then um, I'll fit in as much as I can of the other topics i put in the title, but this is obviously still unfolding and really showing up the FBI for their political bias even more. Um, I'm going to start with an article from Just the News, and this was published yesterday. And the title is, DOJ Releases Affidavit Showing FBI Collected 184 Sensitive Documents at Mar-a-Lago Before Raid. The redacted affidavit released Friday by the Justice Department related to the recent FBI raid on former President Trump's Florida estate shows the agency in part made their case to return August 8th by saying agents had already sorted through 184 sensitive documents from Mar-a-Lago earlier this year. This is a developing story. The FBI's investigation has established that documents bearing classification markings, which appear to contain National Defense Information, NDI, were among the materials contained in the 15 boxes and were stored at the premises in an unauthorised location, the affidavit said. There is probable cause to believe that additional documents that contain classified NDI or that are presidential records subject to record retention requirements currently remain at the premises. The affidavit continued following redactions. And if you haven't seen this affidavit, then um, let me say that I would say the majority of the document is redacted. So it really is pretty useless. And of course, this Judge Reinhardt, who had already recused himself from Trump's civil case, he was the one that ordered the DOJ to provide the affidavit with their proposed redactions on Thursday and then he would make the judgment as to whether it could be released with those redactions or not. So, you know, it's another case of, well, we'll, we'll provide the document but it's pretty damn useless with the amount of redactions that are included. And the interesting thing I saw was that... Um, they redacted all the names of the FBI agents involved, but did not redact um, something that was included from Cash Patel. And I think Cash is pretty annoyed about the fact that his name wasn't redacted, but it, we, we don't expect equal treatment by these people because they're all criminals. Uh, continuing on, documents retrieved earlier this year from Mar-a-Lago included, quote, 184 unique documents bearing classification markings, including 67 documents marked as confidential, 92 documents marked as secret, and 25 documents marked as top secret, according to the affidavit. Further, the FBI agents observed markings reflecting the following compartments, 
dissemination controls, HCS, Pfizer, Orcon, NoForm and SI. Based on my training and experience, I know that documents classified at these levels typically contain NDI. Several of the documents also contained what appears to be former POTUS's handwritten notes. Trump reacted to the release of the affidavit on his True Social account Friday afternoon, saying, Affidavit heavily redacted, nothing mentioned on nuclear, a total public relations subterfuge by the FBI and DOJ, or our close working relationship regarding document turnover. We gave them much. Judge Bruce Reinhardt should never have allowed the breaking of my home, Trump continued. He recused himself two months ago from one of my cases based on his animosity and hatred of your favourite president, me. What changed? Why hasn't he recused himself on this case? Obama must be very proud of him right now. A judge ordered the redacted document released. US magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt wrote in the order, I find that the government has met its burden of showing a compelling reason stroke good cause to seal portions of the affidavit and added that the redacted portions were needed for protecting witnesses, agents and parties who were not charged, in addition to the strategy and scope of the probe. The department blacked out the names of witnesses and agents to protect them and the agency's investigation, but the document which allowed for the warrant in the unprecedented August 8th raid at Mar-a-Lago is expected to provide at least some new details. In acknowledging the extraordinary public interest in the investigation, Reinhardt on Thursday ordered the department by Friday to make public a redacted version of the affidavit, according to the Associated Press. The judge's directive came hours after federal law enforcement officials submitted under seal the portions of the affidavit that they want to keep secret as their investigation moves forward, the wire service also reports. Last week, Reinhardt ordered the department to make the redactions and said he would make revisions if unsatisfied with federal lawyers' efforts. Trump posted on his True Social account on Friday morning, criticising the raid on his home prior to the affidavit release. The political hacks and thugs had no right under the Presidential Records Act to storm Mar-a-Lago and steal everything in sight, including passports and privileged documents, Trump wrote. They even broke into my safe with a safe cracker. Can you believe? This act was created for a very good reason and it works. We are right now living in a lawless country that just so happens to be also a failing nation. Another article from Just the News is FBI warrant for Trump search relied on media reports like earlier bungled Russia Pfizer warrants. FBI's use of news stories in seeking the Russia Pfizer warrants against Trump advisor Carter Page was sharply criticised by the internal watchdog of the Justice Department. Like the Russia collusion Pfizer warrants before it, the FBI search warrant for Donald Trump's Florida estate relied on multiple news media reports from outlets such as Breitbart and CBS to justify its unprecedented request to raid a former president's home. Incidentally, this was also published and updated uh, yesterday. For instance, the Bureau relied on a local CBS report to establish that Trump had moved boxes suspected to contain documents from the White House to Mar-a-Lago in mid-January 2021, just before he left office. According to the partially redacted FBI affidavit made public by a court Friday. According to a CBS Miami article titled Moving Trucks Spotted at Mar-a-Lago, published Monday, January 18, 2021, at least two moving trucks were observed at the premises on January 18th 2021, the memo related. Another citation referred to a Breitbart article from May in which former Trump advisor Kash Patel was quoted as saying he did not believe documents found at Mar-a-Lago and returned to the National Archives and Records Administration were classified. The citation refers to Trump as former POTUS, meaning former president. 
I am aware of an article published in Breitbart on May 5th, 2022, available and it includes the link, which states that Kash Patel, who is described as a former top, former POTUS administration official, characterised as misleading reports in other news organisations that NARA had followed classified materials among records that former POTUS provided to NARA. I think that should have been found, not followed provided to NARA from Mar-a-Lago. Patel alleged that such reports were misleading because former POTUS had declassified the materials at issue. An FBI agent wrote in the affidavit supporting the search. The next few paragraphs are redacted, so it's not readily apparent why that reference is relevant. The affidavit states that a total of 184 documents with classification markings have been found when Trump returned documents to the archives in 15 boxes early in 2022. And that was among the reasons the FBI believed it had probable cause to search Trump's home on August 8th. Patel played a major role as Chief Investigative Counsel for House Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunes in discredited the bungled Russian collusion probe, including abuses in seeking the FISA warrant. The former federal prosecutor also was considered for a time by Trump to be named Deputy Director of the FBI, a move that was blocked by other aides. The use of news articles to support a search warrant is allowed in some circumstances, but the FBI's use of news stories in seeking the Russia Pfizer or Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrants against Trump advisor Carter Page was sharply criticised by the Justice Department's internal watchdog. For example, the DOJ Inspector General noted the FBI used a Yahoo News article to support claims in the Christopher Steele dossier, even though Steele was a source for the article and failed to reveal the circular reporting to the Intelligence Court that had approved the warrant and three renewals. The FBI failed to correct the assertion in the first FISA application that the FBI did not believe that Steele directly provided information to the reporter who wrote the September 23rd Yahoo News article, even though there was no information in the Woods file to support this claim, and even after certain crossfire hurricane officials learned in 2017, before the third renewal application, of an admission that Steele made in a court filing about his interactions with the news media in the late summer and early fall of 2016. Inspector General Michael Horowitz wrote in a scathing 2019 report that highlighted widespread failures and abuses in the Russia probe. And then we have another article from Just the News, Retired FBI Boss Disassembles Trump Search Warrant. Fed's going to regret this. And again, this was uh, this was actually updated today. Uh, it may have come out yesterday. I'm not absolutely sure. Retired Assistant Director Kevin Brock says FBI didn't exhaust other means or appear to have established probable cause for search. The FBI's former intelligence chief declared Friday the agency should not have criminalized the records dispute between Donald Trump and the National Archives, and that the Bureau appears to have failed to meet the probable cause standard for the invasive search of the former President's Florida estate. I think they're going to regret this, retired Assistant Director Kevin Brock told the Just the News Not Noise television show after reviewing a heavily redacted affidavit the FBI used to persuade a judge to allow the August 8th search at Mar-a-Lago. Brock, ordinarily an ardent defender of his former agency, has raised concerns for several days that the Bureau did not exhaust other means to resolve the dispute over presidential and alleged classified records Trump kept. He said that he did not believe the FBI adequately considered the possibility that Trump had wide latitude to declassify records and declare them personal. He said Friday his concerns were only heightened by the court-ordered release of the search warrant affidavit, which he noted was still heavily redacted. And there is actually a link to the PDF of that affidavit. I will caveat all of this by saying we can only see what we can see, but the first thing that jumped out to me 
is that the probable cause statement focuses on the nature of the documents and where they are, said Brock, a respected three-decade agent who rose to become the Bureau's first intelligence chief under Director Robert Muller. But it doesn't, at least in the unredacted portion, address the main element of the criminal federal statutes that they cite. The FBI should not have participated in this investigation. It is something that needs to be settled along established routes in that regard that we traditionally used. There was no need for law enforcement involvement in this, and there was certainly no need for an invasive search of the residents. I think they're going to regret this. Brock defends the agency often, but has also criticised, like many, the Bureau's failures in the Trump-Russia collusion probe. And his assessment about the Trump search earlier this month is certain to carry weight with agents inside the Bureau as well as retirees. He said the threshold that the FBI should have met under its own standards for a search warrant was to show Trump had records he was not authorised to keep and that were illegal to possess. Brock noted the affidavit even acknowledged the president had the power to declassify and did not call the documents in dispute classified, but rather documents with classified markings. From what I can see, that's not established in the probable cause, he said. And there's an allusion to the argument from the Trump advocates that the former president was within his authority to declassify and to establish what a presidential record is. Brock said if the redacted sections of the affidavit don't lay out evidence that Trump's possession of the documents was clearly illegal, then basically we have a search of the man's residence without cause being stated as to why something illegal happened. Asked if he was still in the FBI whether he would have authorised the search warrant, Brock answered no, frankly not. And it's puzzling to a lot of folks who have been involved in search warrants for much more serious disputes in white-collar crimes where these things are settled in attorneys' offices and you don't have to go in with an invasive search contrary to the Attorney General's statement during his press conference that they've exhausted all other means, he continued. Brock said the FBI could have continued with negotiations given that Trump's team had returned requested documents at least twice before or asked a judge to enforce a grand jury subpoena previously issued in the case. This is not anything that rises or passes the no smile test that rises to the level where you would actually do a search with armed agents of almost any other federal employee, let alone the former President of the United States, he said. Now I want to just take a step back and look at more of a helicopter view of, of this and the timeline that has happened during this whole um, witch hunt, which of course is a witch hunt. And this is from Blaze Media, and it's Glenn, uh, Glenn Beck, of course. And after reading the, the text in this, I'm going to play the video where he breaks down this whole timeline. Obviously, you're not going to see the visuals, but I think it does um, explain pretty well the, um, let's say, the plot against the president. So it's titled, Timeline, Convenient Events Suggest This Is Really Why FBI Raided Mar-a-Lago. What kind of classified documents was the, was the FBI looking for when it raided former President Donald Trump's Florida home? Was it nuclear secrets, as the media has suggested, or just any and all classified documents? The Justice Department has now released the affidavit that purportedly lays out the evidence used to obtain the warrant for the Mar-a-Lago raid, but the material is so heavily redacted that very little information has actually been released. And it's got a tweet from Daily Wire with a, um, a, an image of the redacted document. And most of it is just black lines. It's ridiculous. And the tweet says, Breaking, DOJ releases affidavit regarding FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. Hardly any pertinent info is left unredacted. So Glenn Beck took to the chalkboard to break down the timeline of the events that led up to the Mar-a-Lago raid and revealed that there were a whole lot of convenient coincidences that all revolved around one thing, Trump's attempt to declassify materials 
related to the FBI's Crossfire Hurricane investigation. And um, I'm now going to play that video for you. We're going to take you through a little time line from Trump's departure from the White House and the classified information. Now we start right here. One day before the president left the White House, he issued this memo. Trump was declassifying certain materials related to the FBI crossfire hurricane investigation. What could that be? Now I want you to keep this in mind because President Trump has claimed that everything the FBI sees has been declassified. Is it maybe this? Well, as you see the timeline, I think you're going to say, yeah. January 20th, he leaves the White House. Okay, He, dis he, uh, he uh, declassifies all the Russiagate stuff. President Trump's chief of staff said most of the Russiagate documents had been sent to the DOJ for uh, redactions. But as per Newsweek reporting, 27 boxes of material had been sent accidentally to Mar-a-Lago. Remember, this was not the political people. This was the GAO, the Government Accounting Office. They're the ones that packed everything up. So there weren't any political people. Well, this kicked off conversations between Trump's team and the National Archives to find out what needed to be shipped back. So let's, let's jump ahead to this year. In January, Trump team transferred 15 of the 27 boxes. They went to the National Archives. Now, some of those reportedly were marked classified. We still don't know, you know, if they were nuclear secrets or not. But part of the documents we know were declassified back in January 2020. Remember this. It also shows that Trump's team was working with the government. So why would you take an ex-president and march people out for a raid? Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. On March 24th, in the middle of all of this, Trump stayed on track. Yeah. This is what he was really concerned about. He filed a RICO lawsuit going after Hillary Clinton and everyone else involved in Russiagate. You know, getting justice for the collusion fiasco that had been constant. Now, I find it interesting that this occurred at this time. Why? Well, it was just a couple of weeks later, on a April 7th, that it was leaked to the Washington Post by unnamed DOJ sources. Because, of course, the DOJ was investigating improper removal of presidential records at Mar-a-Lago. Now, that's crazy timing, isn't it? I mean, boom, boom. Trump was trying to get Russiagate documents declassified. Some went to Mar-a-Lago and some got sent back to the archives. Then Trump files a lawsuit regarding Russiagate. And the men in black start saying, we should investigate because he's probably got nuclear secrets. In May, it was reported that the DOJ formally subpoenaed more documents. Something had them spooked. And I'm sure it had nothing to do with the RICO case, right? You know, consider that we're we're not supposed to notice all of these little coincidences here. They're they're convenient coincidence, but it's just coincidence. Now, you look at this timeline, which they don't want you to do, and you say, okay, all right, maybe. Then on May twelfth, the Washington Post again had a leak at the DOJ, unnamed sources, a tip at the DOJ. That they were telling them now at the Washington Post that they were using a grand jury to issue a subpoena to the National Archives so they could see the 15 boxes that Trump teams handed over back in January. Now, why would they do that? Why, why, why would, why would they need to issue a, a, a call together a grand jury to read documents that Trump had already turned over to the government? Unless it was something they were afraid of. And I can't imagine what it might be. Anyway, on June 3rd, the FBI went to Mar-a-Lago. They got a tour of the vault where the documents were stored. I hope they had uh, the uh, ground stake, because it's, 
delicious. Anyway, the documents were stored. They looked through them. They were allowed to look through the boxes. Again, Trump is like, whatever, you want to go through the boxes. But after the DOJ looking through the docs at the archives, and now the FBI sending agents to rifle through the boxes at Mar-a-Lago, it looks like they're looking for something, you know? Something that made them nervous. Oh, nothing's making me nervous. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Trump, clearly not concerned about anything he has had or had already given back to the government, is just standing there looking at them like they're a bunch of ridiculous apes. Now, here's where things start to get even weirder. On June 19th, Trump appointed former national security official Cash Patel and journalist John Solomon as his official representatives. He names them representative of the National Archive. Remember, for him. Remember, he had previously returned 15 boxes to the National Archives. The DOJ was concerned about them going so far as issuing a grand jury. And now Trump was sending his own guys, I assume, to see if there was any funny business going on. Remember, Trump's primary objective here, and we saw that when one of his last acts was to, uh, oh, declassify all of the documents that would uh, show any kind of collusion at all with the FBI, DOJ, Hillary Clinton, you know, any of those people, maybe Joe Biden. He would like them to be seen, but the government doesn't seem too keen on that. Now, just two days later, on June 21st, Trump kept on track. He continued his RICO lawsuit on Hillary Clinton and everybody else that was part of Russiagate. That same day, Cash Patel did an interview where he said this. To identify every single document. I can tell you now um, that I am a now officially a representative for Donald Trump at the National Archives. And I'm going to march down there. I've never told anyone this because it just happened. And I'm going to identify every single document that they block from being declassified at the National Archives. And we are going to start putting that information out next week. Next week. It wasn't too, too long later that all of a sudden, mid-July, Garland starts considering a green light on the unprecedented raid in Mar-a-Lago. Again, the word of this evening's program is convenient. We all know what happened next. The FBI commenced with a raid on August 8th. One day after the raid, August 9th, the well-respected investigative journalist Paul Sperry was permanently suspended on Twitter for doing his job as an investigative reporter. He tweeted, Investigators reportedly met back in June with Trump and his lawyers in Mar-a-Lago storage room to survey docs, and things seemed copacetic. Okay, true. Then the FBI raids weeks later. All true. Speculation on Hill. FBI had personal stake in searching for classified docs related to its Spygate scandal. Oh my gosh. He added then, in other words, the FBI might be covering his own, their own tracks while using the Presidential Records Act as a pretext for the Mar-a-Lago search. Ha! Huh. What part of that got him shut down. By the way, do you know one of the guys that was working for the FBI um, and was part of all of this stuff? He's not working at Twitter. Isn't that weird? Sperry would later publish this piece revealing that many of the FBI agents that were involved with the Russiagate thing were are now leading the investigation on Mar-a-Lago. Wait. Did you hear that? It wasn't just me, right? Last week, last week, August 17th, that's when he put that, because Newsweek also reported that the FBI was in search of documents that included Trump's collection of papers showing who was involved in Russiagate. Hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but you look at the timeline, and it looks like they're looking for these papers. So there you have the timeline. It's a very interesting video um, that really pulls everything together. And I then came across an article um, relating to a complaint that's been lodged against Judge Reinhardt. And this is from Western Journal. If complaint is successful, judge who approved warrant for FBI Trump raid will be removed. This was published on the 25th. 
Tea Party Patriots Action, a non-profit conservative group, filed a federal complaint seeking to remove the Florida judge who had approved the FBI warrant used to raid the private Florida residence of former President Donald Trump. Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt acted unethically in approving a suspiciously expansive search warrant due to his, quote, history of hostility to President Trump, end quote, according to the August 16th complaint filed by Tea Party Patriots, which the group announced Wednesday. And it's in a tweet from Tea Party Patriots, Judge Reinhardt acted unethically in approving the warrant to search President Trump's residence. The entire episode threatens the principle of equal justice under law and the confidence of the American people in an unbiased judiciary. Uh, the group said Reinhardt's pattern of partisan bias disqualifies him as an impartial jurist, and therefore he should be removed from this case and from the bench. The complaint pointed out that in June, Reinhardt recused himself from a lawsuit Trump had filed against Hillary Clinton and other Democrats concerning the 2016 Russia collusion hoax. Tea Party Patriots said the judge should have done the same in this instance, but instead approved the unprecedented FBI raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort in Palm Beach. In June 2022, Judge Reinhardt recused himself from a lawsuit involving President Trump in his suit against Hillary Clinton, citing a conflict of interest the complaint alleges. The case involves litigation by President Trump against Hillary Clinton related to the false accusations against the former president by Clinton and prominent Democrats in the Russian collusion hoax. Yet, six weeks after that recusal, Judge Reinhardt signed the warrant authorising the FBI's search of President Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. According to the complaint, Reinhardt is incapable of adjudicating any matter involving Trump in a fair and impartial manner and therefore should be disciplined and removed as a federal magistrate because of his ethical failures. Judge Reinhardt has publicly denigrated President Donald Trump in social media posts, the lawsuit alleges. In 2016, the judge slammed then-president-elect Trump in a petty Facebook post writing, Donald Trump doesn't have the moral stature to kiss John Lewis's feet. The lawsuit further alleges that Reinhardt is a Democrat who has given financial contributions to former Democratic President Barack Obama and to former Florida Governor Jeb Bush when he was a candidate running against Donald Trump for president in 2015. He also has a history of ethical issues, the most noteworthy being his resignation from the U.S. Attorney's Office in Miami on January 1, 2008, and the very next day representing as counsel for employees of the late Jeffrey Epstein, who was under investigation by that same prosecutor's office, at the time of Reinhardt's employment and departure, the complaint alleged. The lawsuit continued. An ethics complaint stroke lawsuit was filed against Judge Reinhardt for his unethical conduct. Former colleagues at the U.S. Attorney's Office stated their belief that Judge Reinhardt was privy to confidential information regarding the prosecution's case against Epstein. Tea Party Patriots argued that Reinhardt should be disciplined and removed as a federal magistrate because of his failure to meet the standards of ethical conduct and character necessary for the public to have confidence in the non-partisan role of a judge in a matter of this extreme public interest. The group said it is necessary to excise biased activist judges such as Reinhardt because allowing a federal magistrate who has been outspoken in his opposition to and loathing of President Trump threatens the principle of equal justice under law and the confidence of the American people in an unbiased judiciary. The article then includes the, um, the case uh, material, uh, the complaint in an embedded scribed document, and it continues, meanwhile, two constitutional attorneys who worked in the administrations of former presidents Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush said the FBI search warrant was invalid. In their Monday Wall Street Journal commentary, David Rifkin Jr. and Lee Casey 
said the Bureau had no legally valid cause for the raid because a former president's right under the Presidential Records Act supersede all of the laws the agency had cited in its warrant. The PRA explicitly guarantees a former president continuing access to his papers, Rifkin and Casey wrote. His possession of them is entirely consistent with that right and therefore lawful, regardless of the statutes the FBI cites in its warrant. And it's got a tweet on Wall Street Journal opinion. Was the FBI justified in searching Trump's residence at Mar-a-Lago? The warrant itself suggests the answer is likely no. In other words, the Presidential Records Act covers whatever documents Trump had at his Mar-a-Lago residence. So the warrant Reinhardt approved for the FBI raid was invalid. Nothing in the PRA suggests that the former president's physical custody of his records can be considered unlawful under the statutes on which the Mar-a-Lago warrant is based, Rifkin and Casey wrote. Thus, if the Justice Department's sole complaint is that Mr Trump had in his possession presidential records he took with him from the White House, he should be in the clear, even if some of those records are classified. And remember, everything they try and throw at Trump always fails. And I don't think this is going to be any exception to that. It really backs up what this um, ex-FBI person was saying in the previous article that I read. Now, this isn't directly linked to the um, Mar-a-Lago raid, but it is linked to Crossfire Hurricane. And so I really want to include this. Um, and this is from Brian Cates on his substack. My 12 predictive points for the Danchenko trial slated to begin on October 11th. People's brains will literally lock up in cognitive dissonance as they watch this trial as dozens of fake narratives die screaming inside their heads. What a lovely subtitle. One, Durham will continue to use a false statement trial to lay out the vast joint venture criminal conspiracy engaged in by multiple parties to influence the outcome of the 2016 presidential election via stolen federal data constructed into Trump-Russia collusion hoaxes by candidate Hillary Clinton's political operatives. Just as, number two, just as he used Sussman's trial to lay out an extremely detailed map of how the Clinton campaign used private federal cybersecurity contractors to engage in illegal spying and data collection, targeting her political opponents to construct the Alpha Bank hoax, and then had her operatives at Perkins Coy and Fusion GPS hand it off to both the news media and two federal agencies, the FBI and the CIA, Durham will also use the Danchenko trial to lay out a detailed map of that other big Trump-Russia collusion hoax, the Steele dossier. Three, while he's exhaustively detailing the criminal conspiracy betwixt the Clinton campaign, Fusion GPS, Perkins Coy, certain FBI officials and several media outlets to hand the FBI this fake dossier during this upcoming trial, Durham will also be establishing some baseline facts about Danchenko himself that is going to blow people's minds. 4. Durham will exhaustively detail how Danchenko is very likely a Russian agent. His actual background has been carefully suppressed in the mainstream press, ever since his identity as Steele's main source for the dossier's Trump-Russia collusion stories was publicly revealed. Most mainstream press accounts of his past never went beyond former low-level Russian research analyst at the Brookings Institute. 5. It was back in 2009, as the transition between the Bush and Obama administrations was occurring, that Russian national Danchenko began approaching certain people and offering them money in exchange for the theft of specific classified information. Someone he approached very likely turned him into the FBI, who opened a counterintelligence investigation of Danchenko. However, someone tipped Danchenko off that the FBI was onto him, and so he fled the United States for the United Kingdom and was soon working for Christopher, Christopher Steele at his Orbis business intelligence firm. 
6. By some arcane act of sorcery yet to be explained, by the time the 2016 presidential election cycle is underway, with Hillary Clinton going against Donald J. Trump, Igor Danchenko, despite the fact there is still an open counter-espionage case against him at the FBI, is back in the United States, living openly and moving freely inside the corridor of Washington, D.C., Virginia and Maryland. Not only was Danchenko living openly in the U.S., he also found a new job, working for the Hillary Clinton campaign via his boss, Christopher Steele's employment by Fusion GPS as the main source for the Trump-Russia collusion allegations comprising the bulk of the Steele dossier. You can be assured Durham and his investigative team have done a deep dive into how Danchenko ended up back in the US working for the Clinton campaign as the dossier's main source. And they'll have some things to drop during the pre-trial filings and during the trial itself about exactly how Danchenko knew it was safe for him to return to the US and work for Hillary Clinton. 7. The popular narrative ever since DOJ Inspector General Michael E. Horowitz released his FISA abuse report in December of 2019, which detailed at length the FBI's attempts to verify the dossier allegations, was that the FBI didn't know who the main source was and they didn't care to find out or interview this person. They simply rushed the warrant application to the FISA court and got it approved on October 26, 2016, just before the November election. Horowitz detailed how the FBI didn't go find Danchenko and sit him down for an interview about the dossier until January of 2017, when the FISA warrant on Carter Page was up for its first renewal. We now know, due to more evidence that has surfaced in the past two years, that the popular narrative is drastically wrong. The FBI knew from the start who Steele's primary source was. They knew it was a suspected Russian agent that they had an open counter-espionage case on, and they were well aware Danchenko was telling numerous lies to them during the series of interviews they had with him, from January through September of 2017. 8. And yet, and yet, despite knowing all of this that I just related to you, the FBI's Crossfire Hurricane team subsequently renewed the Carter Page FISA warrant three times, in January, March and July of 2017. Understand, the entire Crossfire Hurricane team knew from the start they were committing a massive fraud on the FISA court with that warrant they submitted to it. Durham will demonstrate all of these relevant facts with documented and declassified evidence at the October trial. 9. The fact the members of the FBI Crossfire Hurricane team all committed federal felonies by lying under oath when they signed a tainted federal warrant targeting Carter Page and the Donald Trump campaign and then compounded their criminal conspiracy by applying to have that tainted warrant renewed three times will be laid out in exhaustive detail by John Durham himself during the Danchenko trial. And you can quote me on that. 10. So please, quit telling me Durham is going to let everybody at the FBI skate on the blatant criminal conspiracy they engaged in. And I'll tell you something else. The Mueller special counsel team members won't escape Durham either. They too engaged in a blatant criminal conspiracy to prosecute people like General Michael Flynn when they knew there was no predicate to investigate him, much less prosecute him. When US Attorney Jeff Jensen was, asked, was tasked by then Attorney General William Barr to investigate how the Mueller special counsel handled the Flynn case, he came away with dozens of exculpatory documents that the Mueller team had been hiding from both the Flynn Defence Council and from the court. Most of these exculpatory documents the Mueller team was holding, holding back bore the official stamp of the Mueller SCO, and most of these exculpatory documents came to the Mueller SCO via, you guessed it, the FBI's Crossfire Hurricane team. They are all guilty and Durham will prove it. 11. Durham has experience at successfully prosecuting vast RICO organised crime cases. That's why he was tapped for this job in the first place. 
the criminal conspiracy he's laying out in these first two trials is vast and spans from one, the Clinton campaign, two, Perkins Coy, three, Fusion GPS, four, private federal cybersecurity contractors, five, the FBI, six, the CIA, seven, the State Department, eight, several foreign intelligence agencies, nine, the Mueller Special Counsel, ten, several complicit media outlets, twelve, at the heart of the Danchenko trial will be the FBI presenting a tainted warrant from someone they knew to be a suspected Russian agent to accuse innocent Americans, including Donald J. Trump, of being Russian agents. And it was known all along by all involved that this fake Trump-Russia narrative came straight from the Clinton campaign. You are going to see the mainstream media suffer massive cases of cognitive dissonance as they are forced to correct the record after more than six years of fake narratives about Spygate. Remember, it was just three years ago that certain people were insisting the Steele dossier was hardly used, if at all, to get the Carter Page warrant. They've been forced to grudgingly retreat over and over again. Well, John Durham himself is going to force the mainstream press to make the ultimate retreat on the Russiagate scandal with this Danchenko trial. He's going to exhaustively prove in detail what a farce this dossier always was and how only blatant corruption of the FBI and our mainstream press allowed this travesty to become the dominant political narrative in the press for five years. And you can quote me on that. So it definitely links to uh, this parallel uh, case that Trump has filed which is a civil lawsuit against um, Clinton and her co-conspirators. And alongside of that, you have the criminal case that is unfolding that is being prosecuted by Durham. So it'd be so interesting to see what comes of this. And, you know, people are saying, oh, they've taken the documents that Trump had on the Crossfire Hurricane uh, case. And if you think Trump hasn't got copies of all these documents, then you really do not know Trump and the White Hat. So I think this, again, is all about making the um, the, the deep state players panic. And it's no doubt that they are panicking. And it's, it's fun to see that level of panic unfold. Now I'm going to move on to the topic of Trump being blamed for the vaccine failures. It's interesting that, you know, the Democrats were claiming the credit for rolling out the vaccines. And of course, Biden mandated these vaccines to federal workers and pilots. And well, that was other organizations following his lead. But now that the vaccines are failing, um, not only in terms of their efficacy, but it's becoming more and more obvious that this the vaccines are indeed a bioweapon and are maiming and killing countless people. Um, they now want to shift the blame onto Trump. Of course, they blame Trump for everything. And I came across this um, substack again. This is by Igor Chudov, C-H-U-D-O-V, published August 25th. COVID charlatans blame Trump as vaccine narrative collapses. Trump vaccine to be made the root of all evils. COVID vaccine quacks and charlatans who for about a year thought of themselves as big winners are now abandoning the COVID narrative in droves and fiercely fighting each other. A famous well-paid misinformation fighter, David Gorski, for example, is now calling fake COVID health experts Monica Gandhi and Liana Wen misinformation spreaders. Why is David Gorski so upset with his fellow Covidians? He is upset because Monica Gandhi and Liana Wen jumped the Covid ship and are now trying to distance themselves from their previous acts and are bravely criticising masks in hopes to score some points with Covid sceptics. David Gorski is older and less flexible and is staying the course for now. He is mad at Liana and Monica. Enjoy the exchange below. And it's got a... Um, a screenshot of a tweet by him. I won't go into that. This is not an isolated phenomenon and reflects changing times. 
the failure of COVID vaccines becomes more obvious and millions of people are upset about having been forced to take the vaccines due to Democrat-led vaccine mandates. So the COVID charlatans and Democrat leadership are looking for someone to blame in anticipation of the November elections and very pointed questions that they will be asked if they lose. Guess who they will blame? President Trump, of course, it's already beginning. And it's got a screenshot of a Politico article, Trump White House exerted pressure on FDA for COVID-19 emergency use authorizations, House report finds. And it's a report by House Democrats, of course. There's a lot of irony to unpack here, but the intent is obvious. Lay a path to blame Trump for COVID vaccines. They are hoping to make us believe that the vaccines fail because the evil orange man made these vaccines and pressured the FDA to approve them. However, the facts are much more nuanced. I'm going to summarise things uh, in the rest of the article a bit just to save on time. Uh, Trump knew nothing about vaccines. COVID vaccines were developed at NIH and Moderna and Trump had zero influence on any decisions involving design or makeup of COVID vaccines. Two, Trump did indeed push the FDA to approve COVID vaccines because of upcoming 2020 elections. FDA heroically resisted Trump's pressure, had no problem keeping him frustrated, and indeed the approval of COVID vaccines was delayed past election. And of course, um, the approval was rushed and was based on fraudulent trials. We know that. After the 2020 election, the FDA and the CDC would never again resist attempts to speed up approvals. Throughout the entirety of the pandemic, not one FDA or CDC worker quit, declaring op declared opposition to the reckless vaccination program and spoke firmly against vaccinating young people. Not one. Yes, two persons, Mar Marion Gruber and Philip Krauss, did quit, but they only made the vaguest passes about how things are not quite exactly right and went on to enjoy their retirement. Trump did not institute vaccine mandates. Uh, Trump did approve of the infamous warp speed plan of creating a radically new concoction based on a failed mRNA delivery technology that for decades never yielded a successful product against a novel coronavirus, despite the history of no successful coronavirus vaccines ever being developed. Well, after he left the White House, Trump continued supporting COVID vaccines because he thought it reflected well on him as he brought the vaccines to the market. I will never forget that. Trump did, however, denounce vaccine mandates. So it's, it's fairly critical of um, Trump, and I think we've all had our uh, concerns that Trump continued to say that the vaccines were safe and effective when we know very well that they weren't. Uh, the article says things will change soon. Two things are likely to happen. Trump will be blamed for COVID vaccines. That is unlikely to affect independently minded people, but will provide liberals with an intellectually easy exit from their cognitive dissonance. Trump will denounce COVID vaccines, will declare himself defrauded by Tony Fauci and will blame the Biden administration for everything that happened since January of 2021. That would be correct in a very narrow sense, but would also miss the larger picture. Now, the article does criticise Trump, but, you know, we've, we've shared the bigger picture that if Trump hadn't put this vaccine out, the place, you know, the whole world would have been locked down for years um, because of the normal approval time timeline for vaccines, like 12 years. So this was his response to what the deep state were planning. Now, whether that's true, um, I don't absolutely know. But he then goes on to show a tweet from, or it's actually an article from somebody called Bad Catitude, House subcommittee attacks Trump for meddling with FDA on COVID treatments. He says one politician got COVID mostly right, referring to Ron DeSantis. And then he also includes a post from Cat A, which is uh, of a Tucker Carlson show. Tucker takes the gloves off and highlights the disturbing world data emerging, especially the dramatic rise in death rates amongst the young and fit.
unexplained mortality noticeable in many countries, Australia, New Zealand, UK and Canada. So um, I came across this in some tweets, actually, of, of clips from Tucker's monologue on this. And this is what turned me on to looking for what was really happening. And so it's another um, attempt to blame Trump for everything. Uh, the Democrats are going after him every which way but loose. I'm going to finish with um, an article from Peppy Lies Matter. Um, I've covered him before. And this is the systematic fall of the old guard and the faith required to walk through. So it's really another of his encouraging posts. If black hats were in complete control, do you really believe that they would have allowed Roe v. Wade to fall? No. They would have done whatever they needed to do to ensure that Moloch's power remained untainted and unfettered. But that is not what happened, is it? And if that doesn't encourage you, then you have this incredibly prophetic moment to hang your hat on as well. The Georgia Guidestones themselves collapsed and were wiped away. Don't you see it? Their plan is collapsing before your very eyes. And he's got an image of the Guidestones being demolished. And over it, he's put trust the plan. Some would see this just as a coincidence, but not anons. We know that there are no coincidences. God is speaking through the fog. Yes, things are confusing on so many fronts right now, but God is giving us the breadcrumbs along the path and showing us that everything is going well, despite what the media tell us. Heaven is speaking. If we have the ears to hear, we can hear them rejoicing and cheering us on. Do not allow all of the fear porn to bring your soul down. Anons do not need to have their head bashed into a wall over and over right now with stories not meant to wake them up. They are already awake. Much of the journey in the precipice is not for you, but for the masses. Many would prefer to have this over today and suffer from the mental anguish no longer. But I maintain that war is not without its casualties and the Great Awakening seeks to wake up far more people than just what we have now, which is substantial. We need as many people as we can to reject the system of control and push back. There is an incredible multiplication phenomenon happening. It is not always easy to see this, but every time you watch an interview about Biden, you hear the non-political everyday person echo the same sentiment. F. Joe Biden. This is not by accident, but by design. Whether White Hats or God, it does not matter to me. The sister... The systematic destruction of the old guard is happening, and it would do you well to dwell on that thought and not be weighed down by the day-to-day -day happenings at all times. See through the fog. This is how you stay comfy. Moloch would never have been allowed to lose any power if black hats were in control. This speaks volumes. Regardless of outward circumstances, we should become like beacons of hope and faith in these foggy and uncertain times. This requires a lion's share of faith. It is there for you, dear friend. If you look from the right perspective, you will see what I see with 2020 vision. Even if it doesn't happen according to expectation, we are winning and it is all happening. And then he has an image of the parting of the Red Sea. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. And it's got one of the peppy frogs in there as well, which is lovely. So, yes, I mean, what he's saying is read between the lines. Don't fall for the, the doom and gloom of the mainstream media. Um, when, as I've explained in this show, seeing all these dots being connected around the Mar-a-Lago raid and the, the Durham uh, prosecution of Danchenko and Trump's civil lawsuit, I think the walls are closing in on the black hats, the deep state, while they're sitting there thinking that the wall is closing in on Trump. And of course, you know, when people are in a panic, all they can do is frantically try to cover their backs. And in doing so, they really expose their true colors and more and more people are seeing that. So that's all I have time for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I've certainly enjoyed doing it. Um, it'll be interesting again to see what more information comes out about the corrupt FBI and DOJ 
in the coming weeks. And I hope you'll join me for another Cosmic Creating show next week to find out what's happening. So thank you to Nancy for producing. Thank you to Derek Condit for sponsoring the Cosmic Reality radio station. And please visit his website, mysticalwares.com, for an amazing range of Shungite products and other metaphysical and crystal products as well. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and bye for now. You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating current reality a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you for listening to Cosmic Reality Radio. We appreciate your support. Please visit our sponsor at MysticalWares.com for our huge selection of metaphysical products, gifts, candles, incense, and one of the largest Shungite collections available. Cosmic Reality Radio is sponsored by Mystical Wares Online Store, where coupon code SAVE10 will get you 10% off your entire order at mysticalwares.com. <laughs>